and you're listening to the Abide Podcast. To find out more about Abide, go to AbideChurchFL.com and enjoy today's message. Explain something to you first. Um, my name is Pastor Chucho, right? My, that's not my real name. My real name's Angel. I go by Angel Acosta. Chucho's my nickname. So this is something that, you know, um, I wanted to explain real quick. My nickname was given to me by my father who I never met before. It just transferred on. He was an adulterous abuser. He had physically abused my mother. Um, he, he was involved in gangs, all that kind of stuff. And I was, as I was growing up, that nickname held to me. And I was involved in gangs and all this stuff. So the name Chucho became associated with criminal, where I'm from. So what happened was God took this criminal. He met me in a jail cell, and he flipped my life upside down. Right? So listen, Jesus is the only one that can change a Chucho into a pastor. Amen? Amen. So look, what, what I want to do is I want to explain to you guys, I kind of want to give you guys an uh, introductory to us, to me and Pastor Shanna and our, uh, the ministry we have. I want to explain three words that define our ministry. Three words that I feel like we as Christians, we kind of, we know, but, you know, we don't really take as serious as we should. And before I get into those three words, I want you to turn to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. Very first verse. And while we turn there, I want to, um, I just want to say, uh, Pastor Gio, Pastor Destiny, thank you guys. And all the leadership. Like, you guys don't see everything that they do. I mean, there's so much that happens beyond the scenes. Can y'all just make some noise for our, our pastors and our leadership? They're awesome. We love them with all our hearts. You know, they pour into to so many people. They're busy all the time. And I told Pastor Gio, I was like, listen, I love you. I'm not called to be a lead pastor. I am not called to do it. No. There's so much that he does all the time, and I don't want to do that all the time. No. I love it. I love pouring into people and helping and all that kind of stuff, but it is all the time with them. Like, what, what, what were we talking about? I was telling you guys, like, it's never ending. Like, we were hanging out with him, never ending. I was, and I'm not calling you guys kids or nothing, but it's almost like having kids. You know, like, parenting never ends. And it's the same with, with you know, um, pastoring. You know, it's the same thing. Are you guys there? All right, so if there, you know, I'm a little hood, so I want you guys to say, all right. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. So it says, in the verse, first verse, it says, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw the stone had been removed from the entrance. Now, we're talking about Jesus. Jesus had just died on the cross, and he was buried in this tomb that had a stone rolled in front of it. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, that's John, and he said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus, or Jesus' head, excuse me. The cloth was folded up by itself separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from the scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they put him. 
At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, don't hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go and said to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. So I'm going to end it right there. Mary Magdalene went to the tomb to do the things she was supposed to do, and she realized that the body was missing. Right? The other disciples came. They said, oh, yeah, the body's missing. We don't know what's going on. They left, and I'm explaining this in, you know, our terms. They left, and Mary Magdalene stood there, and then Jesus appeared to her. She ran back to the disciples, and she said what our ministry is. She said, Jesus is alive. Right? She said, she really said, you know, I've seen the Lord. But she was essentially saying, Jesus is alive. Right? So, and real quick, on a side note, I want to mention that it was Mary Magdalene who was the first to preach the resurrection of Jesus. A woman. I'm sorry if that messes with your theology a little bit. Mary Magdalene preached the resurrection before any apostle did, right? So she came to him, and she's like, you know, she's, she's excited, and she's like, listen, I have seen the Lord. She was saying, Jesus is alive. And I, like I said before, I think sometimes we take that as, as like some kind of a, a phrase that we as Christians use. You know, yeah, Jesus is alive, true. But I don't think we realize what that actually means. Like, so I want you guys to understand the same Jesus that rose from the dead 2,000 years ago lives today. Right? The same Jesus that healed the sick 2,000 years ago heals the sick today. The same Jesus that fed the 5,000. I don't have to keep going. He fed 5,000 people. He provides today. Right? The same Jesus that looked at his disciples and said, go, looks at his disciples and says, go. Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. So what we do a lot of times is we, I've got nothing against coming. Right? We become equipped here. We learn under great teaching, you know, all that stuff. But we get so focused on coming that we never go. Right? Y'all with me? So what I want to talk about today is some things that have happened in the past that by us, me and Pastor Shannon listening, God was saying go to us, and we listened, and things were happening. So in the scriptures, nowhere in the scripture does it say that the ministry of Jesus ever changed. Like I said before, you know, he heals the sick. He provides miraculously today. It's happened to us. We've seen amazing miracles. You know, but what we have to do, our job is not to do the miracles because Jesus does the miracles. Our job is to abide in him. So what we have to do is just gather, learn who he is through the scriptures, and spend time with him. As we spend time with him, he starts using us to do his will. Are y'all with me? Right? So we spend time with him. As we draw close to him, he draws close to us. When he draws close to us, people notice. Amen? So, what, look, when I, I'm an electrician by trade. And when I was doing construction, I was out uh, in Pinellas Park. We were doing this job at this hospital. And there was this uh, lady they hired there. Um, she was a laborer. Do you all know what a laborer is? All right, if you don't, um, this is a person that's hired at minimum wage just to clean up the uh, construction site. Right? And you could tell this lady had been through a lot. She looked like she could have been homeless. You know, and I didn't know if she was or she wasn't. But the clothes she was wearing kind of suggested it, you know. And anyway, so I would just go in there. I never told her I was a Christian, never told her I was a preacher, none of that kind of stuff. I'd just go in there, and I'd be like, what up, Karen? What's going on? we just talk regular talk, weather, you know, nothing spiritual. Anyway, one day she comes up to me, and she says, listen, um, I, don't, 
I don't mean this to be weird or nothing, but um, like I'm not trying to hit on you, but uh, whenever I talk to you, I feel something. Yeah, and I never preached the gospel to her, never said anything. I was just busy spending time with Jesus. She said, look, I, I feel something. I don't know what it is. And I said, listen, what you're feeling? I said, I'm a follower of Jesus. All right, what you're feeling is the presence of God, and he's reaching out to you. He's calling out to you. He's pouring his love out to you. And she started crying on this job site in front of other people. She's weeping. She's saying, I've been considering going back to church, but the things in my life are hindering me from going. Like, I'm doing so many things. I'm wrapped up in so many things that I don't want to go back to church because I feel like people might judge me. And I said, listen, you don't worry about what people think. You worry about what God thinks. Right? Because God is reaching out to you right now because God's love for you goes beyond what you're doing right now. Amen? We draw close to him. He draws close to us, and people notice. So uh, a while ago, me and Pastor Shannon, we set up this thing where we started doing outreaches in Ebor. Recently, we took them um, yesterday, right? Or the day before, Friday. We took them to Ebor City late at night, and they had been to Ebor before, but never at night. And they were like, oh, wow. Yeah, like, <laughs> and we were like, yeah, yep, this is, it's crazy out here. And we have amazing testimonies in the middle of Ebor with thousands of people walking by. Stephen, Sandy, they've all been there with us. We set up these outreaches, and our, our whole strategy was this. We would go to 7th Street, and we'd walk around 7th Street, and we would just pray. And we, Underneath our breath, we'd just pray. God, just, you know, this, this belongs to you. This doesn't belong to the enemy. This place belongs to you. These people belong to you. You know, Lord, touch them. Have your way. Do what you will. Do whatever you desire, God. We're just praying these simple prayers. So what would happen is because we were pressing into him, he would draw close to us, and he would open up opportunities for us to, to speak to people, to pray for people, things like that. So one day I'm, I'm walking, I'm just praying, and this guy, he's sitting there at a the table with like seven of his buddies. He reaches over and he grabs my arm, and he says, hey, man, you should really go check out this place, and he hands me a flyer. Now, I'm not going to go into what the flyer um, was inviting me to, but I will say that it was a place that was fairly inappropriate to go to. Y'all with me? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's one of those places. So, um, so I go, oh, nah, man, I'm all right. I'm cool, bro. And he was like, no, no, you should go check it out. They got two-for-one drinks and all this other stuff. And I said, you know, man, I'm trying to live my life in a way that honors God. And, like, I'm, I'm good. And he was like, you're an Ebor. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, like, what? So I'm like, no, man, you know, it's all right. And he was like, no, no, you should go. He's like, oh, you're worried about your wife. She's there with you. Oh, you don't want to go because she's there. And I'm like, no, man, listen, I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm here just praying for people. And right when I said that, God gave me what's, a, what's called the word of knowledge. Do y'all know what that is? Yeah. God spoke to me directly about this person's situation. I said, you know, I'm just here, you know, we're just praying for people. And I was like, oh. I said, as a matter of fact, man, I feel like God is telling me right now you're going through a situation. The reason why you're here right now is because you just learned about a situation that's going on in your life, and you feel like you're being crushed. And when I said crushed, this grown man, 22 years old, around his seven buddies who were sitting there drunk, started weeping in Ebor City. He's crying, and he's, I said, listen, man, God wants you to grow into a greater relationship with him. What I started doing was I stopped saying God wants you to be saved, although he does, because so many people in America, although they're, you know, they live unsaved, they believe they're saved. Yeah. So what I started saying was God wants a greater relationship with you, yeah. right? So I told him, I said, look, God is reaching out to you, man. He wants a greater relationship with you, and he's just sitting there crying, and his friends are just like, what's happening right now? And I didn't invite him. You know, we were going to another church at the time. I didn't invite him to our church. I didn't try to make him say a prayer or none of that stuff. But what I did was I allowed God to penetrate his heart. Yeah. Right? 
So that's the kind of stuff that we would do. We would just go and we would preach the fact that Jesus is alive. Not always with words, sometimes with actions. We went one time, we would go, um, we were at the, uh, a certain section of Ebor. I don't know, I don't want to, you know, it's a certain section where the pizzeria is, things like that. There was this homeless lady there, and she could barely walk. You remember, look at him smiling and nodding. <laughs> she could barely walk, um, possibly even, like, couldn't walk. I don't remember the exact story. I'm sitting there speaking to this, uh, this bouncer for a certain bar. It's a certain kind of bar. Um, and he was, just, he was real cool, and I was telling him, you know, all the stuff that Jesus had done in my life and just really loving on him, things like that. And I look over, and I see uh, my friend Ryan, Stephen, and uh, Pastor Chana there. This, remember, this lady couldn't walk. So while I'm talking to this guy, I see them reach over to her hand and lift her up. I found out later on, they were saying, look, in the name of Jesus, stand. She stood up in the midst of all those people in Ebor, next to this pizzeria where there's thousands of people walking by. She starts jumping up and down saying, you guys are true disciples. These people are true disciples. She's jumping up and down. There's thousands of people walking by, and they all start clapping. They're like, wow, you know, wow. And I looked over across the street from them, from us, were people holding signs saying, God hates certain individuals. And I looked at them, and I said, what looks more like the book of Acts? Right? What looks more like the book of Acts? This lady, she had no hope. She could barely walk. She was sick, and Jesus touched her in the midst of her sin. You know, the, the problem is a lot of times we think that God doesn't get his hands dirty. God gets his hands dirty more than we get our hands dirty. You know, sometimes we get scared and we don't want to go into certain areas because we don't want to get our hands dirty because we're so holy. But God is holy. And he gets his hands dirty. Right? So later on down in chapter 20, Jesus says something to his, to his apostles. He looks at, um, who was it? Doubting Thomas. He said, listen, he's looking at him. Because Thomas has said something like, oh, I'm not going to believe that he's alive until I can stick my fingers in the holes where his hands are and I, I can stick my hand in the side where his spear was. I'm not going to believe it. So Jesus goes up to Thomas and he's like, listen, you believe because you have seen, but blessed are those who believe and yet have not seen. Those who have not seen that he's speaking of is you, is me. Blessed are those. The word blessed there is makarios in the Greek. Makarios means you're in a highly favored position. Listen, he told the apostles, these people that we put on pedestals, that they work these great signs and wonders, more blessed are they than you. More blessed are the people who come to abide than Peter and John. The thing is, we need to stop taking these apostles and putting them on these pedestals, right? Because the only one who belongs on a pedestal is Jesus. Peter and John and Paul and all these great apostles, they're great men of God and they deserve honor. I'm not saying they don't. But what I am saying is that we are in the same boat as them. They were following Jesus just like we follow Jesus. So Jesus looks at his apostles right before he ascends into heaven and he says, the same way the Father has sent me, so now I send you. Can you play that video clip for me, please? Maybe it was someone else. You think got mad? Peter, see the tomb for yourself. 
Now, do you believe me? But he's gone. Gone? Now? He's back. I need a cup and some wine. What happened? His body. His blood. I am the way. The truth. And the light. have not seen me and yet have believed. When the Holy Spirit comes to you, You'll receive power. The power of the Holy Spirit can be with you all, whatever you are. Go into the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Peace be with you.
I've had reports. Yeah, that was to make sure you're awake after that. Yeah, no. Listen, my brothers, my sisters, we have work to do. Right? And I'm not, I'm not asking you guys to add something to your schedule. Lord knows we're already busy as all get out. Right? What I am asking you to do is to learn to be intentional with your current schedule. Be intentional on listening to what God is speaking to you. Be intentional on what God is doing around you. Inject Jesus into your current schedules and routines. And then as you abide in him, he'll start doing things through you. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. We have work to do. Just like Peter said, the work still continues. Let's not get distracted. Yeah. Amen? So look, what I want to do is I want to invite the worship team back up. I want to have an altar call today for um, what we in the church world called activations. All right, and what that is is if you guys have never, you know, prayed for someone in the street or at your job or anything like that, maybe you don't believe you have the right to, maybe you don't believe you have the power to do it. I want you guys um, to come up front. Me and Pastor Shanna, um, I would like to invite some teenagers, whoever's willing, to come help us pray. Um, right up here at the front, whenever the, these people come up. Um, <clears throat> but listen, I think what the problem is is that a lot of times we go, all right, well, a Peter or John or Paul, all them, you know, the pastors, they can all lay hands on the sick. They can do all these things, but I can't. And that's a lie from the enemy because the truth of the matter is, is that Jesus has equipped all of us with his spirit. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. He's the one who does all the work. We just listen and obey. It's not really that hard. This thing that we have is a simple gospel. All we have to do is abide in him and love people. The two greatest commandments that were ever given. Somebody came to Jesus and said, what's the greatest commandments? They had 10 commandments, and then there, I think there was like 200-something overall commandments to the Israelites. They said, what's the greatest commandments? Jesus said, listen, it's really two. It's love God and love people. I asked God when I first read that, why is it that we should love God and love people? What is the reason why you broke this down to us? And he spoke to me and said, because without my love, you can never love people. Listen, it's hard to love people. How many of you know that's true, right? People are hard to love. God is easy to love. As we spend time with him, he gives us the grace to love others. And that's what this is all about. Evangelism, evangelism is not about com like converting people. Evangelism is about introducing to them who a loving God is. First by our actions, then by our words. Never either or, but by both. Are y'all with me? All right, so if you can stand to your feet. I'm going to say a prayer, and I want to invite anybody up front who, who feels like they, they're not equipped for this, they can't do this, whatever it might be, to come up front. And then I'm going to invite some people who might have some sicknesses, and we're going to lay hands on people. Y'all okay with that? All right, so as I'm praying, you guys join me in prayer and walk up front. Whoever wants activations to happen, whoever wants to be prayed for, right? Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you, God. We thank you so much for what it is that you're doing in this church, in your kingdom, God. We bless you, Lord. Father, we would ask that you would just have your way, that you would do what you will, when you will, however you wish to do it. Father, we ask that you would move amongst the people. Draw their hearts in, Lord. So right now, I want to invite anybody who...